been talking about uh, uh, government. But I want to talk to you a little bit today about another kind of government. Okay? So if you have your Bibles, go to, to uh, the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> we'll get back to uh, the other lesson at some point in time, but I just, in the, the, the season that we're in right now, I just need to give you this. How about that? Amen. Verse 10 says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Amen. I want to talk to you on this thought this morning, how to stand firm through the power of God. How to stand firm through the power of God. Amen. Let's look to God. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the season that we're living in because we know that you are the almighty God. And whatever you have released, we're able to receive it. So we thank you for it. We thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses and covers. God, we thank you for every promise that you've given us. We receive it right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for every man and woman that's breaking the bread of life around the world. Add a blessing to their words in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. Amen. Since service has speeded up a little bit, I missed the offering. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all can move kind of fast when you want to. <laughs> Amen. I saw something interesting. This has nothing to do with this. I saw something interesting on my way in. Uh, this church has a tent set up. And it has a sign out front. And it says, tithe through. <laughs> and cars are coming under the tent and bringing their money. <laughs> you can expect a tent anytime. <laughs> I thought that was, I, I don't think we'll do that, but I just thought that was interesting. Amen. People are coming up with, with novel ways of doing this. But this is a time when we have to do something different. Let's get to this because I want to get to the end of it. The end of it, I pray that uh, you'll find a blessing there. Uh, I want you to know that God's got this thing under control. But if we want to see it in, uh, I'm going to show you how. All right. So here's what he says. He says, finally, he begins it. Finally, when Paul says finally, he sounds like a lot of other preachers. That's the beginning of his conclusion. You'll get that later. <laughs> that's, the, that's the beginning of his conclusion. And he says that this is important because uh, the one thing that church folk are going to need in this season that we're in is unity. We have to be together. Amen. So he says here. Uh, uh, that in the body of Christ, uh, that, is, that, that it's inevitable that clashes with evil are going to come and the church must be ready to stand. Uh, now, here's the thing is that when we talk about standing and fighting, Paul makes it very clear that we don't stand or fight in our own power. Amen. He says, be strong in the Lord. And it's in the power of and the problem that we have in looking at what we're fighting against, it looks like it's insurmountable because we're fighting with it in our own strength. And that's why he goes on one step further and he says, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. So don't think that you can handle what's happening right now in your own strength. 
Amen. This is why I admonish you not to have fear because fear has torment. If you are fearful, you won't do certain things because you don't know what the consequences are. But the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. So we know that we love perfectly because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Amen. Okay, so let's go on. He goes on to tell us this. He says that be strong means a continual empowering of the Christian's community. Uh, God's strength and his power are part of the kingdom blessing. In other words, I'm blessed to be a part of the kingdom, so I have his power and his might. Let me do this since we haven't had any Easter messages. Let me tell you this. The Bible says that it is in the strength of Christ's resurrection that we operate. It is the power of his resurrection. We know that uh, we're going to celebrate in a couple of weeks both his crucifixion and his resurrection. But what he's saying here is that it's in the power that God exhibited when he raised Jesus from the dead. That's why in Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 19 and 20, uh, if you back up a couple of pages, I'll show it to you. In Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 19 and 20, he says this, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Now notice also when we see that, that the last part of verse 12 says that it's the, 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 uh, the wickedness that we fight against is in where? Heavenly places. So Christ is seated where? And the spiritual wickedness is where? Well, what's wrong with you then? Why are you upset? Because you want to bring the fight down to an earthly realm. I understand that. And it's natural for you to feel that way. Amen. But here's what he goes on to say. He says uh, uh, that there are a couple of reasons why people don't use or don't exercise the power or the might of God. Uh, actually, four reasons. I'm going to give them to you. The first one is they don't sense danger or recognize the power of the enemy. Most of us take the devil for granted. In times past, we used to recognize that the devil was doing something. Amen. Now we say, oh, that's just so-and-so. Amen. Can I get political for about a minute? Just, just about a minute. When I read uh, uh, what other preachers are saying around the world, they have this phrase that they use that bothers me. It probably doesn't bother anybody but me. Uh, they call it the Trump prophecies. Y'all have, have y'all heard that? And what they've said is these are the things that the prophets have said about uh, President Trump. No disrespect. I'm just saying that they say that, you know, he's God's man for this hour and he's going to bring us through this thing. So they call it the Trump prophecies. Now I want you to look at the audacity of man. He doesn't say the prophecies of God. But he says the and some of us are watching this on TV and we're repeating it. Well, I read the book. You know, the number 45 is significant. And it <laughs> I, I'm not going I, I'm, I'm not going there. I'm going to come back to it, though, because I got one more point to make. But but let me stay with where I am right now. He's, we don't sense the danger. The second thing is uh, they don't have all the weapons and don't know the meaning of them. See, most of us put on something. But we don't put it all on. Huh? Some of y'all are so fr frightened that you come out with your shield, but you ain't got your pants on. You understand what I'm saying? You're not covered because you only put use the part of the armor that you think is necessary for you. 
Amen. Notice in the armor, the Bible says it is the belt of what? That holds everything together. When's the last time you've been totally honest? Don't answer that. So the main ingredient is missing. But you say, I'm covered. Mm. <laughs> the only vision I, visual I can put in my mind is that of you wearing one of those house hospital gowns. <laughs> so, so you ain't really all covered. <laughs> <laughs> and he said the third thing is that people are untrained in the use of the weapons. No practice, no preparedness. Amen. You have the weapons, but you don't do anything with them. We don't exercise prayer until we find ourselves in a situation where we think we ought to pray. Oh, well, I need to pray about this. Uh-huh. You ever heard people say that? Well, uh, I need to pray about this. Now, this is a secret, so don't tell anybody. But if you had to figure out at that point that you need to pray about this, you're too late. What? <laughs> Listen, you can't ask God about something he's already said. Don't have time to go there, but I can tell you this for an assurity that if the Bible says that I have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, why am I asking him about whether or not he should give me what he said I already had? The Bible says all the promises of God are yea and amen and him. Why am I? Come on. Thanking him? Yes. Let me move on. That was a good preachable moment there. And then the last one, he says that a lot of folk are in the comfort zone. That means that means this. Either I'm not under attack right now. Or I'm compromising with the enemy. I was in the market yesterday. <laughs> this is a real adventure. That used to be one of my favorite places. <laughs> But now it is really a challenge. And I'm walking down the aisle and I hear this guy coughing on the next aisle. And then he threw in a couple of sneezes for good measure. <laughs> and I could tell, you know, from the sound that he wasn't covering up nothing. And I'm thinking, what in the world is wrong with him? He had to be crazy. But then I found out when I saw him, he had a cart full of Budweiser. <laughs> so. <laughs> so he'd already compromised. <laughs> okay. So the Bible tells us this, and this is the most important thing you're going to hear probably all morning, that the victory is certain, but the battle still must be waged. Amen. You know, <laughs> we know that we won, but you won't know that you've won until you have the fight. There are a lot of people who believe that, that they can do certain things. But until you actually start to do them, you don't know if you have the power to do it or not. Amen. There are times that, that you, <laughs> you have to figure out uh, uh, if you have the wherewithal for the battle. And sometimes you have to pick your battles. Amen. We were in the store yesterday and, and, and they had a case of, 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 of water, the gallon jugs, a case of them. And I looked at Barbara, she looked at me, and I'm thinking, I don't want to pick that up. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> See? 
if you are a certain age and you don't pick up stuff every day, you don't just go grab something. Look at y'all. Keep living. Keep living. That's all I'm going to say. But I finally did. I said, you know what? I got the man up. I don't look like no punk in front of my wife, you know. Oh, but I ain't want to. <laughs> okay, keep living. But you got to practice for this thing. You got to practice for this thing. Amen. If you, com- you want to complete a marathon, you got to run hundreds of miles. Uh, yes, yes, yes. If you want to learn a foreign language, you better learn, uh, spend a lot of time memorizing conjugations. If you want to play the piano, you better learn the scales and know how to read the notes. Amen. But if you want to accomplish anything for God, you think you just jump out there and do it. The truth of the matter is, is that you have to spend time with him with spiritual disciplines. What's disciplines? You got to learn how to study this Bible, how to pray. How to, how to get involved in your church. And, you know, that's the one thing that's missing in most people, uh, discipline. They'll study the Bible. Come on. They'll study the Bible so they'll have a word to give somebody. So that that person will be grateful for them because they receive something. But they don't participate in the activities of their church. Uh-oh. Okay. <clears throat> people don't fast anymore. And, of course, the last discipline is serving. Not, not everybody got quiet then. <laughs> because that's important. That's a discipline. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Now, you know, Jesus had the power. He, he could have just. <laughs> but he went through the labor of doing this. Amen. So the Bible says here that following uh, uh, Christ And see, when we say that we are a Christian, we say that, we say it really kind of uh, willy-nilly, like it's not a big deal. But the Bible says this, the word Christanos in in the Greek means a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ. It also means Christ ones. Amen? So I belong to Christ. I'm one of his. Now, the Bible says that I'm a Christian and, and, and I can prove it to you because the Bible says that uh, in Acts, let me find the scripture for you. Acts chapter 26, the Bible says here uh, in verse 28, then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. So if there was not such a thing, how could you become one? And he didn't say to Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a follower. But he said a Christian because it's a follower of Christ, not of Paul. That's like a joke, right? You had to wait for the laugh. Ha, oh, yeah, I got it. So then the Bible says this. Yeah, it says that being a Christian is not a learned skill or discipline. It's a living relationship with Christ. And but like any other relationship, it has to be deep and meaningful. What does that mean? That means it's beyond the superficial. Hey, how you doing? God bless you. Have a nice day. Love you with the love of the Lord. Not very deep. Amen. The Bible says, and it can't be just empty formalities. It takes time and commitment. You haven't really been, listen, you haven't really been baptized into this thing until you've had your good Christian friend to challenge you. Hmm? Anybody been saved long enough for somebody to tell you, I ain't doing that, that's stupid. 
that? Folks are saying that today everywhere. Oh, you going to church? Did you hear what the governor said? And I, I, I understand that. I understand that. Your worship and how you carry it out is a matter of conscience. I need to st stop and do a commercial real quick. <laughs> how you carry out your worship is what the Bible refers to as a personal relationship with Jesus. If it is personal, then you exercise it based on your conscience and your understanding of who you are and who he is. I would never tell you that you need to be in church in this season that we're in. Amen. What I will tell you is that the church needs to be in you. Amen. 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 And that's all I'm going to say about that. Now, moving right along. <laughs> so when Paul says the struggle is not against flesh and blood, he gives us three points. First, the Bible says that the struggle is supernatural or as the English would say, supranatural. It is above and beyond flesh and blood. The second thing he says is the struggle is personal. The word struggle indicates a hand to hand fight. In the Spanish, it says uh, mano a mano, man to man. But it also means this. It means close and personal. It says breath to breath. You know how when you're wrestling with somebody, you can hear them breathing. Amen. And then the third thing he says is that the struggle is futile if it's fought by flesh. Amen. Satan is the enemy of the, the Christian soldier. He's the devil. We call him Diablos, the accuser of the follower of Christ. The devil is the enemy and uses certain strategies. We call him the wiles of the devil. That word in the Greek is methodia. There are methods to his madness. Are you listening to me? Uh, that means that he uses deceit and craftiness and trickery. Uh, he does this uh, uh, effortlessly. And the Christian usually falls for the trick because he always ministers to two, th two areas of life. The first one, the Bible says, is he appeals to the lust of the flesh. He appeals to the lust of the flesh. Now, Satan uh, will see that something crosses the eyesight of a believer, and it's always something that is appealing. Now, it is different for things for different folks, but it's always something that catches your eye. Amen? And the Bible says this, is that that appealing thing, of course, is uh, 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 what brings us to the pride of life. Now, uh, delicious foods, attractive people, people who expose their bodies, possessions, clothing, land, cars, houses, positions, authority, and power. All of these things are things that Satan will bring in the path of a believer. Amen. And unless you are clothed in his righteousness, you will fall for them every time. Amen. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it. I, had to, I was going to tell you something, but it's probably if I tell you, then you might want to check it out. Uh, <laughs> so the Bible says Satan will entice the believer to eat the second helping or take the second look. Buy the unneeded possession, ladies. <laughs> it was on sale. All right, I, I just talked to you, and I, just, I, I can't talk to these folks, but I can tell you this. If you have stuff in your closet that has the price tag on it, <laughs> y'all excuse me. And husband, you know what they say? I don't have nothing to wear. Why don't you take some of that stuff back <laughs> and get something left? <laughs> Hello, somebody. I 
I just want you to know the devil is, look, he's not sleeping. <laughs> now, the second trick he has, which is even more effective, it is the strategy of sending a false teacher, usually a very impressive teacher, and it's across the path of the believer. Uh, you, you, you have to understand that the devil ain't some guy running around in, 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 in red underwear with a pitchfork. That, that's not him. Amen. He's a living, breathing being in the spiritual world, a being who transforms into a messenger of light. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 says, and no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. So he uh, sends his ministers to walk about uh, and, and can I just tell you this? This is, this is one of the problems we have in church. The devil has ministers everywhere who preach a false gospel, who tell you things are okay, and you don't have to do this, and you don't need this. And yet we don't have the same network in the church that tells people what the truth is. <clears throat> huh? But the Bible says that because we are basically sinful people, that we always want to do those things that are what well, we're saying darkness. Amen. We don't want to be exposed as to who we are. Amen. Now listen to me very carefully. There are no perfect people. Amen. But there are people who need to be perfected. Yeah. And perfected means matured. And you have to grow up knowing right from wrong. And you should always want right more than you do wrong. So then what we find is that those people who have the true gospel are usually muffled and the people who are speaking out are the people who are, uh, are getting us off our game, as it were. Today is a prime example. People had to fight to get that little pledge in. Right, scary when you know you've had all year. Amen. Now, I wonder, I just wonder, come on now. If the Lord said to you on March 29th, you're going to die. Would you have made any better preparation? And for a large majority of you, <laughs> the answer is no. I just die and go to hell. Come on. <laughs> All right. I'm going somewhere. Y'all, come on. You got mad with me. It's okay. Forgive your pastor and let him move on. <laughs> False teachers proclaim a righteousness that's, that, that's not of Christ. And that message uh, is that of self-righteous, uh, self-righteousness, excuse me. And it's always of human goodness and works. People tell you, because we like to hear folks tell, oh, man, oh, you're, you're the best singer I ever heard. Oh, you pray. Oh, I just feel I feel heaven. Oh, man, when I see you dancing. Oh, I just know that everything's going to be all right. OK. Got some more of you, didn't I? Such messages appeal to the flesh and are not the power needed by men. They cannot deliver a man from the trials and suffering of life and death. They can only lead man down the path of all flesh, and that is death, decay, and eternal judgment. The point is this. One of the most prominent strategies of the devil is to deceive man with false teachers and ministers and their appealing but false messages. Amen. So we all are involved in a supernatural battle which does not conform to conventional tactics and will amount to nothing unless we have the full armor of God. The immediate implication, of course, is that Satan is powerful, but he does not possess anything near the power of God. Amen. Amen? Now, he temporarily dominates and drives this world. 
Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me tell you something. In the mid-80s, some of you were still around. <laughs> In the mid-80s, there was uh, an epidemic that hit this universe called AIDS. Y'all remember that? Over 100,000 people died. People are still dying today from AIDS. How many people are changing their behavior? Now watch what I'm saying to you. Rather than seeing that as a need to change, we tried to find a way that we could do the wickedness and be medicated while we're doing it. Y'all remember that? Okay. You see those commercials on TV now? Scary, ain't it? Wrong audience. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm saying that we're, we're locked into a battle right now. We are in a spiritual battle with COVID-19. And we are a little bit ambivalent about exactly how we need to approach this. I'm going to show you just a few minutes how this, this epidemic came about and how it goes away. Hmm? Go to the book of Jeremiah for just a moment. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 23. She so had to give you the end first and then we'll go back to the beginning. Jeremiah chapter 23. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Now, when we talk about the shepherds here, uh, he's talking about the leaders of Israel. But what I'm, I want you to do is I want you to think about the, the leaders of the nations of the world. Just for a moment. OK. He said, therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my sheep. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I would attend to you uh, for the evil of your doing, says the Lord. If people, listen, if people are not fed with truth and righteousness, then they will eventually be destroyed. Are, are y'all still with me? So the leaders of this nation and the nations around the world and the leaders of the house of God have a responsibility. Y'all still with me? Here's what he says. Verse three, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their foes and they will be fruitful and increase. Now what he's saying is that when this thing has passed, that when we come back, notice what he says, that we'll be fruitful and increase, not just in numbers, but uh, uh, in, in, in the, uh, the standard of living. Are y'all still with me? And then he goes on to say this, I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. That's what we're seeing here. He says, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. The word of God is teaching us something. You can thrive in the midst of a famine as the people of God. Amen. I think I told you last week, see, we get hung up on, on, on what we're going to eat and what we're going to do. I told you I went to the store and got me some beans, a whole bunch of beans. I got a pantry full of beans. Oh, you can eat many days with beans. Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a book. I keep it in my library just in case. It's called Hamburger 365 Ways. I hadn't had to use it in a long time, but I still got it. Are y'all understanding me? Okay, but let's go on here because I want to make sure you get this. I'm, I'm about to run out of time. 
Verse five says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king. Are you all with me here? Shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. This is where we are right now. Whenever the Bible says something regarding a plague, a plague always is a sign of judgment. Do you understand this? Plagues come as a sign of judgment. Something's wrong and we need to fix it. And we don't usually think about it in, in terms of us in church. We don't terms to think, of, uh, think of it in terms of let's fix me and then we'll fix the plague. Hmm? Well, the Bible says that a plague is a disaster that, that comes as a symbol of judgment. In Psalms 106, I think I've got it. Yeah, I do. Psalms 106, the Bible says this in verses 29 through 31. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds. What? And the plague broke out among them. Y'all still here? Then Phineas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stopped. And look at verse 31. And, it, and, and that was accounted to him for righteousness to all generations. Look at Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Now, Jeremiah chapter 23 and 6 says this. In his days, Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness, Jehovah, the Sitkanu. Now watch this. It does not say the Lord who is righteous. It is the Lord, our right. It is personal. It is Christ in me. He says that it is the Lord our righteousness. Now, some translations say that that is called the righteous germ. Not, see, because we always think of a germ as something that infects. You ever heard of wheat germ? Okay. So the part inside that produces not only nourishment, but life because it reproduces. Righteousness, then the Bible says, is the key to what we're dealing with. Uh-oh. Somebody needs to All right. Look at Jeremiah chapter 5. I'm telling you, like I say, you're going to be blessed by the time you leave here. Jeremiah chapter 5. Uh, yeah, chapter 5. Uh, let's start at verse 20. It says, declare this in the house of Jacob and proclaim it in Judah, saying, hear this now, O foolish people without understanding, who have eyes and see not and who have ears and hear not. Is that the church today? Can I tell you something? I want to come down here. So <laughs> I'm going to stay up close. I'll keep my social distance. Do you understand that one of the biggest failings of the church is the inability to reproduce the word? Yeah. Amen. 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 In Nehemiah chapter, don't turn there, Nehemiah chapter 8, read it at your leisure. You all remember the story, I think I've taught it to you, I know I have a million times, about Ezra when he stood to read the word of God. And, and, and we'll probably do that again just so you will refresh you. The Bible says that when, when, when the wall was being built, that they needed to have a revival. And, and Ezra was told to read from the book. When he stood to read from the book, the Bible says that the, the Levites and the priests, the people who had knowledge of the word, who understood what was being said, had a responsibility to share that word with the rest of the people. Now, if you can imagine, the Bible says he stood from morning till evening reading the word of God. And there were thousands of people standing there. So he did not have a microphone and a PA system. 
So it was necessary for those people who heard it to pass it on to the people who couldn't get it. And see, one of the biggest failings that we have in church is that we can't pass on the word. We get hung up on, 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 on what we know rather than what's being ministered. This is why, and I tell my covenant leaders all the time, it is important that you minister what I minister. Amen. You don't need to find your own scriptures and try to find something deep. And No, you need to get people what I'm giving them so that we all on the same page. Amen. Amen. I'm talking in Romans and you talking in Revelation. Well, we ain't going to get there. So whatever I give you on a setting like this, then the leaders have to take that word and break it down into small points like feeding babies. You, you chop it up so they can chew it. And if you try to give it to them in big chunks, they're not going to get it. You cut up a steak and give it to them and it's a big chunk. They know it's meat, but they don't know what kind it is. Don't know how it was prepared. Are y'all following me? I know I'm off, but I just had to make that point. Because here's what the Bible's teaching us that uh, I, I think my wife used this phrase, a famine of hearing. But there's a famine for understanding what the word of God is saying. If you miss it, then it creates a situation where people go into chaos. And as a result, we have a pandemic, pan, pan, pandemic and <laughs> And, and, and people are dying. Now, let's go on. I'm going to show you this. Uh, verse 22 says, do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence? Who have placed the who have placed the sand as the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it shall not pass beyond it? Watch this. Now, here's what he said. I'm the Lord. I made the sea and the, and, and the, and the sand. And I told the sand, you stop here. I told the sea, you stop here. Are y'all still following me? And the Bible says this, but a perpetual, uh, uh, excuse me, and though its waters toss uh, to and fro, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over it. When God sets up a standard, the standard can't be compromised. When God sets up a standard, that standard cannot be compromised. We want to go just one step further. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 Uh, I heard uh, 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 one of my uh, deacons was telling me about some person was telling them about how when the, the tribulation comes, we're going to all be here. Now, how? What, what you, what you, what, what? <laughs> I know it's so, it's so foolish you can't even fathom it. But this is what people are ministering. Preachers. Watch this now. Here's what it says. Uh, verse 23. It says, but this people. But what? This people. This people has a defiant and rebellious heart. They have revolted and departed. They do not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord, our God, who gives rain in both the former and the latter in its season. He reserves for us appointed weeks of harvest. Your iniquities, the Bible says, have turned these things away. You're still with me. And your sins have withheld good from you. Your sins have withheld good from you. Romans chapter 4 verse 5 says, But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted to him for righteousness. This is what the Bible said about Phineas. It's the same thing that the Bible says about Abraham is his faith was accounted to him for righteousness. If we believe God, then the Bible says, then we can exercise our righteousness and we have right standing with God. 
And when we have right standing with God, we can exercise the power of God. Are y'all still here? Because this is getting good to me. I don't know. If it's <laughs> so the Bible says that because they disobeyed God and because they refused to trust God, they destroyed a nation and scattered the people from everywhere. Look at what's going on right now. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 24. That, 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 I might have that. Yeah, I do. Jeremiah 24 and 7 says, then I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me with their whole heart. First thing we see is that when we give our hearts to God, we will return to him with power and might. Amen. Matthew chapter six. You don't need to go there because you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the Lord's model prayer. Here's what he says in verses nine and ten. The Bible says. Uh, 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 <laughs> thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. So what is he saying? He's saying that even though we're experiencing this pandemic here on earth, but when we return to righteousness and do the will of God, come on, we can change earth from heaven. Y'all still here? Hallelujah. I'm glad y'all stayed. I, I'm glad I am. Amen. Malachi 3, 7 says, yet from the days of your father, you've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Return to me, and I will return to you. Amen? The problem is that some of us go halfway back. We don't go all the way back. I believe, this is my personal belief, that if we learn how to repent completely, release the righteousness of God, then not only will this thing subside, but we'll come out on the other side blessed. Amen. Now you keep hearing folks say, no plague shall come near my house. This is how you keep it. From coming near your house. It is the righteousness of God. Now, notice in Romans chapter one, one more scripture, one, 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 one more scripture. Actually, I said one more, two more. <laughs> Excuse me. Romans chapter one. As soon as I find it. It says in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You want to get God upset? Act unrighteous. Amen. And the Bible goes on. He says this. Uh, let me find it. Therefore. It says in verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature uh, rather than the creator who was blessed forever and ever. Watch this. This is what we're doing today. We're serving a creature. We're saying the prophecies of. <laughs> Not that I'm calling about a creature. <laughs> I'm just saying that this is what the Bible is teaching us. Romans, uh, not Romans, Philippians chapter three. And I declare I'm equipped with this one. <clears throat> Romans, uh, Philippians. Whew, I got hung up there. Verse eight says this, yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ the knowledge of Christ, uh, Jesus, my Lord, for the things 
uh, for all loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And here's what I need to do. Be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. <clears throat> now, the Bible says, why? So that I can know him and the power of his resurrection. I don't want to know what's wrong. I want to know what's right. I want to know what succeeds, not what fails. I want to know what the word of God says, not what somebody thinks it says. Are you understanding this? If we don't learn how to operate in the righteousness of God, then we extend the time of this pandemic. But if one can put a thousand in flight, if we start to operate in the righteousness of God, we can change first the course of this city, then the state, then the nation. Somebody's got to be a living epistle that stands up for righteousness. Now, as we close, let me tell you this. The first thing that I need you to understand is that if you are not fully repented, none of this means anything to you. Huh? You, you this, this idea, this idea of, of well, uh, I'm working on it. That, that, mm -mm, this won't fly today. This won't fly today. No. You, you pass working on it. Uh, I'm getting ready. No, mm -mm, no, no, no. This is the day of your salvation. This is the day of your deliverance. You're either going to fight or you're going to die. I choose to fight. Amen. So as we prepare ourselves for battle, I need you to stand up to your feet.